Hello and welcome to Michigan and Other Mayhem, the show about Michigan, murder, mysteries, histories, and other mayhem from around the world. Your hosts are Allie and Jen. Okay, Jen, let's do this thing. What up, Jen? What's going on, Allie? I don't know, but cue fake podcast music. Uh-huh, got you on that one, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, guess what happened? What? My dog broke a nail and was like profusely bleeding everywhere. Oh, I hate that. Yes. So your brother took him to the vet and they like got the bleeding to stop, wrapped his paw up. And then we bought a couple cones of shame because we didn't know which kind of cone of shame would work best on him. And yeah. he doesn't need it. Like he goes to lick it and you're like, hey, don't do that. And he's like, all right. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> like, I have I have the plastic cone and but when my dog had cancer. Oh um, Sarge. I, yeah, Sarge. I got him the donut. Actually, I think my brother picked it up for me. Okay. It, it was a, a you blow it up and it seriously looks like they have a donut. You know, like um I say a donut, but really like, you know, one of those floaties. Okay. Weirdly enough, I called it a donut yesterday because right. <laughs> yeah, your brother's like, look, I'm going to go get a, a cone of shame. And I was like, okay, well, maybe you can just get him a donut. And he said, I don't know. I think he'll still be able to reach his foot with the donut because it's his front foot. Mm-hmm. So I was like, all right, then just get a cone of shame. And he came back with the plastic cone and then like a cloth cone. Both cones of shame. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, that donut thing was the best. I mean, so did you work. didn't feel as bad as a as bad putting it on him because um, they could lay down and they were comfy. You know, it yeah. was like a pillow attached to that. See, yeah, so I told him, I was like, let's not put the cone of shame on. Let's just see how he does. And he's like, all right. So he like starts to like lick his bandage. I said, don't do that. And he stopped. I was like, see, it's working. <laughs> <laughs> So, well most dogs are not like that so i know that's what i always said like our dog is freakishly good and that's why i feel like i can never get another dog because if your dog your brother saw which kind of you know like messes dog could actually make dogs can make we he wouldn't no it wouldn't work in this house <laughs> no we have a freakishly good dog that we got it from a rescue who showed up well-mannered and i think that's the only thing we can do in this house right other yeah. than he never likes any of my pets I know. Well, I try to He's say such like a the, I'm always very open about that. My dog has all these wonderful qualities and his horrible one is he uh, doesn't like other dogs straight up. Not like, Hey, you know, I'm going to ignore you, but you want to fight me, bro? Kind of not like. <laughs> right. And, and he's actually not that interested in other humans that aren't his people. He like, loves me though. Oh, he does actually. He shakes it like a stripper for his certain people. But if we're like out walking and people are like, can I pet your dog? I'm like, he's not that into it. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, Ugh, stranger. Oh, hands off. Stranger danger. <laughs> yes. So I was like, uh-huh. yeah. And then they keep asking us like, what kind of breed of dog do you have? Because, you know, we had to take him. We were going to take him to the vet yesterday and our vet was full. So we took him to another vet. So we just tell him large breed. And then when they say how large, we just say he weighs 100 pounds and, you know, he's trim. He's not a fat dog. He's a big dog, but we just don't want to tell him that he's the different breeds that we know he is because people sometimes have shit to say about different dog breeds. So we just don't tell him. And next time you just got to bring him over here because I have dealt with that 
you know, bleeding toes. Yes. I can't even tell you how many times okay. I can get that I bad was boy. Going, yeah, I was going to just finish cutting the nail off because it was obviously ripped at the down where the flesh is. I was going to cut the nail yep. off and wrap it up. And your brother was like, he needs a doctor. <laughs> He's like, so oh. cute. He is so freaking adorable. He always talks about how much he doesn't like the animals, but let somebody get hurt. Because he even brought the mattresses downstairs to the first floor so that the dog didn't climb up on the bed and that he could just lay on the floor with us. So we slept in the living room last night with the dog. Ah, Yeah. The dog your brother swears to hate. The, tru- <laughs> the, truth, come, the truth comes out. He does. Yes. He loves the dog. Well, I have actually two stories to tell you about today about John Doe's who are identified. I have a murder. Shocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, of Nath- Nancy Billet. Billeteer, B-I-L-L-I-T-E-R. Okay. November 1997. Oh, not a bad year for me, 97. I think that's the year I met your brother. (laughs) Really? Oh, no, I met him in 95. Never mind. (laughs) I already knew him by 97 for a couple years. That's so so close. Yeah. You want to tell me your story? You want me to go first? Uh Uh-huh. Let me tell you mine, because mine are not Michigan, unless I'm down on Michigan, no. Okay. I'm, I'm actually in different states. I, I was looking the other day, I think I'm going to do a couple in Europe. I was like, they like to murder there as well, and they've been at it for longer than us, or at least they have written records of it. I, I want to tell you this. I yeah. was looking for a podcast okay. on murders in Florida. Okay. Because I thought, somebody needs to be doing Florida. Somebody's got to be doing Florida. Someone has to just focus on Florida because they have enough material. I'm telling you, they do. It is amazing how many stories are Florida. Oh, yeah. Makes Michigan look like me. Actually, now that you said that, I recently did a Florida one in which we had the Valentine Jane Doe, I think it was. Yeah. Yeah, she was in the Florida Keys. Good call. All right, so I come from... uh, Wikipedia, Newstimes.com, KenoshaNews.com, and USAToday.com. All right, the first one is about David Stack. So the body of a young man, they estimated his age to be like when they found him, like 17 and 22, which I think is pretty good because I've seen some crazy-ass age ranges (laughs) on dead bodies. So Mm -hmm. they're like, okay, he's between 17 and 22, and he was found in this rural landfill, landfill in Toole County, which is in Utah. And it was June 10th, 1976. And at the time, detectives believed that the young man, oh, I was supposed to say young man, but I wrote young mad, M-A-D. But I know I meant man. (laughs) The young man had been killed within 24 hours of finding his body. So they knew that he had been a fresh kill. He had like a faint mustache and a beard, and he had shoulder length dark hair. And the corpse was fully clothed, but he didn't have his shoes on. And there wasn't any identification found on him or near him to say who he was. So all they know is they had this young guy, probably a late teen, early 20s, dead body. That's it. That's all they know. So later investigators believe that the last day that the young man was seen alive, witnesses had seen him nearby in nearby Wendover, which is a small city around 3 p.m. Because they put out like some sketches and stuff. Hey, has anybody seen this? And a couple of people were like, yeah, I think I saw that kid around 3 p.m., you know, trying to hitchhike in Wendover. So the teenager had been murdered by being shot twice in the head. 
And they don't release this detail to the public for decades. They're trying to hold some back in case somebody says they're the murderer. So the identification of the body, it remains unknown for decades. And the information regarding the deceased was entered into NamUs, which is the National Missing and Unidentified Persons Database. They did this exactly 34 years later to the month in 2010. So he's murdered in 1976. He's entered into NamUs in 2010, exactly 34 years later to the month. By the year 2014, which is four years later, the case is reopened by police detectives. And his information was then provided to the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children because now they're like, okay, we don't think he was an adult. He might be a kid. Let's add him into this database. And they constructed a picture of the facial features of the victim using the mortuary photographs. So they look at the photographs of the dead body and try from there to create a drawing that's a little bit better than the original one. In a poster of the John Doe's likeness with all the information pertinent to the case was sent out. And by May of 2015, there was a break in the case when his dental records matched up to a missing person in NamUs named David Stack. Now, David Arthur Stack was born July 5th, 1957 in Broomfield, Colorado, to a family that would grow to have eight children. And he graduated from high school in 1975. And the following summer, when he was 18, David decided to hitchhike to California to visit one of his older siblings because the siblings already moved out. And he's like, all right, I'm going to go hitchhike to visit them. And in the 1970s, hitchhiking was a popular mode of transportation. Obviously. Yes. And it, we didn't see it as overly dangerous until like the late 70s, early 80s, when we find out that there's like serial killers out there using this to kill people. Right. So David left his house on June 1st, 1976, and he was murdered a week later on June 9th. And while missing, David was part of the Charlie Project, which highlights thousands of missing person cases. And it was determined that the dental records that identified David weren't matched earlier because of a breakdown in communications between police stations. Because at another point, somebody thought, oh, I think this might be the right one. Let me send the dental records. But somehow the communication broke down and nobody follows up. And they end up in the end to actually confirm as David, besides the dental records that they did between the two systems, was they did a DNA match with David's siblings. Because remember, he had um, altogether seven siblings. And the match was correct. It was David Stack that they had found in Utah. He was originally from Colorado. Oh. I know. I'm like, damn, the 70s were dangerous. That's why we right. I remember someone saying something about the good old days in the 70s. I was like, that was the golden age of serial killers was the 70s. <laughs> it was not the good old days. <laughs> so the last one I have, the second one, is a dude named Joseph Henry Loveless. And this is going to be an old, timey story. So okay. it starts, though, in the 70s and goes back farther from there. <laughs> like, it goes okay. forward, it goes backwards. We got a lot of time travel. Here it is. In August 1979, a family in, it was Dubois, I think it's Dubois, Idaho. Maybe it's Dubois, I don't know. And in what was called Buffalo Cave. There's a cave, it's called Buffalo Cave. And they're searching for arrowheads, which at the time was a popular thing, was to people try to find artifacts, arrowheads. And they end up finding in this cave a headless torso in a burlap sack. And yeah. Imagine that, like, hey, what do you have there, Timmy? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Timmy's like, 
a headless torso. <laughs> <laughs> So in 1991, again in Buffalo Cave, an 11-year-old girl finds a hand. And this is the second body part now found in the same area, right? Once in 1979, once in 1991. And so they decide, okay, maybe now an official search should be done. Maybe we could look for the rest of the body because they think the hand belongs to the, we don't have DNA yet in 1991. I mean, it's, you know, just coming on scene. But they think the hand belongs to the torso. They're like, we should probably look for the rest of the body. Students and researchers from Idaho State University come to Buffalo Cave. And then they recover an arm and both legs. So now they have almost a complete person. It's determined that the corpse belonged to a man who was of Eastern, I'm sorry, of European descent. He's around 40 years old when he dies. They're not able to locate his head, so they're not, you know, with the technology they have, they can't identify him with anything other than dental records. The cadaver wasn't addressed again and for, for another 40 years in 2019. So officials from Clark County and Idaho State University, they decided to contact the DNA Doe Project. And the D DNA Doe Project worked with the technology com company Othram to identify remains through forensic gene genealogy, which I've talked a lot about <laughs> because I'm actually yeah. fucking thrilled that we could take things, people that were murdered and still catch people or find out who they are or do shift dec decades later because we figured out how to follow genealogy. I just, amazing to me. Yeah. It is amazing. Yeah. The person, this person's body was connected through a grandfather that was a Mormon polygamist and he had four wives. So it made it really hard, right? They're like, mm -hmm. oh, shit, because now you got to follow each person to find out who it was. So this connection is verified against a grandson's DNA, and they make a positive identification. But they have to go through a whole bunch of stuff. Joseph Henry Loveless was born December 30th, 1870. They found wow. him 100 years after they found his torso 100 years after he was born. But... He lived a life that involved definitely crime. He was often caught by the law and he was actually really known for breaking out of custody. Like that was his life highlight. Everybody knew he did a good job of breaking out of custody. And he was a bootlegger and he ran under like different aliases. Sometimes he used the name Walter Carnes, Walter Kearns, Charles Smith. And Joseph's parents, Sarah Jane and Joseph Jackson Scriggins were actually like early day pioneers of the Latter Day Saints movement which is like a form of Mormonism. There were Mormons. Mm -hmm. And that's how you had the grandpa with the wives. So Joseph married Harriet Jane Savage in 1899 in Salt Lake City, Utah. And they had one daughter together before Harriet divorces Joseph in 1904, which I thought to get a divorce in 1904, he had to do something. You don't, right. they didn't just hand divorces out in 1904. I was like, wow. I wonder what kind of dickhead move he did between 1899 and that. Yeah, that the law is like, you're right, we need we need to get you away from him. It's better for you to raise a child alone with the, than this guy, which is something they didn't think back in the day. So mm -hmm. in August 1905, Joseph marries Agnes Octavia Caldwell, and they moved to Idaho. They have four kids between the years. And this, I'm giving this case age range because it was just crazy. Because it's so long ago, it's hard to get full data. But they have four kids between the years, uh, 1906 and 1913. And it's believed that on May 5th, 1916, Joseph murders Agnes with an axe. 
And newspapers refer to Agnes's murder, murder as her husband, Charles Smith, because it was Joseph living under one of his aliases. So Joseph's arrested for the murder and Agnes, uh, Agnes and he's placed in jail. And so he has this habit of breaking out of jail and he does it like he did it on his previous lockups. He does it again. And he's aided by a saw he had hidden in his shoe. And so he busts out of the cell, cell May 15th, 1916. So Joseph's dismembered body was found in the cave wearing the clothes that he was described of described as wearing on his wanted poster. So a forensic genealogist and a bioarchaeologist, which I was like, amazing. I didn't even know that was a job. Okay. Right. I believe Joseph was murdered like the same year, if not like within the same month or whatever, that he murdered Agnes. So because he still has the same clothes on that he's described as wearing at the time. They're like, he must have died not that long afterwards. Now, people didn't buy clothes a lot back in the day. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, so like, you could have been, he could have been killed like four months later and still be in those clothes. But they don't think that yeah. he would have been able to wear those clothes for years on end, living out in the trail. Eventually, your clothes would break down. So right. multiple tools were used to cut his body into pieces. That's something they were able to determine from his bones. And so they speculate that Joseph was murdered by Agnes's family for revenge. Like, they're like, oh, okay, you got away from the law. That's cool. We're going to kill you and cut you up into pieces. And they think that it was like more than one person was working on cutting up the dead body. Therefore, there's different tool marks on the, you know, different appendages or whatever. So the identification of jo Joseph Henry Lawless. I'm sorry. I meant Loveless. Lawless. Sorry. <laughs> he died in 1916. And the DNA Doe Project's oldest identification with it being over 100 years after his death. That's crazy. Isn't that fucking amazing that we could do this kind of shit? 100 years after somebody dies, we can be like, oh, my God, did you know that dead body was Bob? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Holy shit. Technology. Crazy. That, it is crazy. You can't get away with anything anymore. No, you can't because we will fucking it's find just, you. It, yeah, it just may be 100 years later, but damn it, we're going to find you. That is something. Actually, I have been looking at several like new articles to write, and some is like people who were caught after decades of being on the run because it gives me an immense sense of satisfaction to see people caught or whatever because I tried to do an article the other day on missing people and it basically destroyed my soul. I don't understand how people could work on unsolved cases constantly. The not right. knowing just wears wears on me. I just can't do it. I'm weak. I say weak. <laughs> yes. All right. Tell me your story. All right. So um, on the Flint River, okay. some fishermen found a pile of blankets. And when they went to investigate, they found a body of a woman, bloody and bruised, deceased underneath. Uh-oh. The police identified the body of Nancy. She was 45 years old. And she lived with her friend in around the West Bloomfield Township area. During the investigation, the police spoke to Nancy's roommate. Her name was Carol Giles. Okay. G-I-L-E-S. Carol told police she was with Nancy till around 1.30 a.m. And that's when Nancy told her she was going to see her mother. Okay. As they continued to talk um, with Carol, 
they found there was more, you know, of course, more to the story. Okay. Carol, Carol told police that her, Carol's boyfriend, Tim Collier, and Nancy got into an argument regarding a supposed break-in that happened at their home during, and during this break-in, money was stolen. And Carol's boyfriend thought Nancy stole the money and made up the break-in story. Uh, so Nancy's telling them, hey, she was actually watching Carol's kids. So, hey, I was here watching your kids. There was a break-in. Oh, uh, and they took so, the money and, sorry. Yep. <sighs> and her boy, and Carol's boyfriend believed that that was a fake story and... um. She actually robbed him. And she actually robbed him. Jesus. Yep. Yeah. So Carol goes on to tell police that Tim started to beat up Nancy. The, the boyfriend her, started to beat up Nancy? Yep. Yeah, during the argument, oh, the boyfriend shit. started to beat up Nancy. Okay. Actually taking Nancy and tying her to a bed and smothering her to death. Oh, my God. And Tim, the boyfriend, threatened Carol, made her clean up and help him dump Nancy's body in the Flint River, you know, near the Flint River. Oh, my God. So, so we got that. That's her side. So they, the police go and talk to Tim and question him. And his story is, of course, different than Carol. Of course. Tim told the police he watched Carol take um take her dead husband's insulin syringes. So Carol was previously married. Okay. Her husband passed away. Right. And so she took his insulin syringes, filled them with battery acid, what? and inject Nancy with them. How do you even get battery acid, anybody? Do you? I wouldn't even know. <laughs> I don't. I have no idea. Okay. Like where you would have that laying around unless you're like broke open a car battery. Yeah. I was going to say, who does that? I don't know. Where is this? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and then he said that at some point she switched and started filling the syringes with bleach. Okay, that I can believe you can find access to. And yeah, and injecting her with Nancy with it. He also said that Carol was the one who smothered Nancy. Oh, now he he's blaming it back on her. He's putting it back yep, on her. And okay. He said he was only an accessory to the crime. Oh, man. So as the investigation continued, they found evidence at the home. Okay. Multiple syringes. Okay. Blood spatter, bloody mattress. And then later, Carol adds to her story. Oh, shit. And she, she admitted that they killed Nancy because they believe she overheard Carol admitting to another murder she did. Carol? Yep. Car- yep. She believes... They killed Nancy. Yeah. Because Carol believed that Nancy overheard her admitting to another murder she did. Yeah, that Carol's murdered another person. Right. Yep. Oh. Her husband. 
Oh, I don't know why I didn't see that coming. She told, she told police she killed her husband by injecting him with a deadly dose of heroin. Okay, Carol see, told, not battery acid. Heroin, I think it's easier to find than battery acid. Right, but just wait, wait for oh. this. So Carol told police she got the heroin from Tim. Okay, who the boyfriend, acted, right? Yep, the boyfriend, who yeah. at the time she was having an affair with. Oh, <laughs> which I didn't see again. I'm really slow today. <laughs> right. And so, but it was found that Nancy was injected with battery acid. There goes my fucking theories. Okay. And I, oh, yeah, I have no idea. That would, I mean, I can't even, I mean, battery acid is acid, so it eats things. So I don't know how it didn't eat up the syringes, but maybe that's why she switched to bleach. Right. She got battery acid other than a car battery. Yeah, I you don't know, understand how you get out. Yeah, I don't understand. How, maybe it's just my dumbass doesn't know how to get battery acid out of a battery. <laughs> right. Yeah. I have, yeah, I have no idea. Me neither. So um, both yeah. received life without parole. But okay. I thought, what the F? The fuck? Like, I can't even, like, wow, you killed this lady because you think. And then, I mean, you're going down nice that you admit that yeah yeah killed your husband too shit i know it's one of those like it's one of those like fuck it fuck it (laughs) oh i only killed one oh yeah it's one of those fuck it it happened situations like i'm already going to jail fuck it (laughs) right oh my goodness so i thought oh you just don't know people for real you just don't know and she nancy moved in with Carol after her husband died. So Nancy was helping her with the kids, like watching the kids while she worked. Like you, you just people are evil. People are evil. And maybe if you're going to confess to a murder, talk about, or not confess, because obviously I, him knew she killed her husband. Right. Wouldn't you just, let's not talk about that in front of other people. (laughs) <laughs> good call maybe just not talk yeah, about it and ever then you again. don't and yeah and then you don't have to kill someone like watch and and you know most times you think somebody knows something or heard something they didn't and so she was probably i'm pretty innocent there she probably had no freaking clue you know what now that you say that um i think you've done stories before in which people were murdered because Someone thought they might have known something they didn't actually know. Oh, I think it was one of your, for sure, one of your bodies buried in Cocoa Beach one. They thought yeah. a woman that was talking to a cop, but she was dating him or something. Yeah. And she never said anything, but they thought she was going to, so they killed her or whatever. It's all crazy. <sighs> I know. All right, Jen. I will all right. talk to you later. I will give you a call in a minute. I will talk to you later. All right, bye. All right, bye. Contact us at Anchor or Michigan and Other Mayhem at gmail.com or on Facebook to join the conversation, listen to the podcast, or correct us when necessary. Rate and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast provider. Bye-bye now.